With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. Culture Map presents What's Eric Eating? From the Gal Media Studios in Houston, Texas, here's Culture Map food editor, Eric Sandler. Welcome to What's Eric Eating? Culture Map's weekly look at Houston's bar and restaurant scene. I'm your host, Culture Map food editor, Eric Sandler. No co-host this week. Uh, Everybody else had scheduling conflicts. But we do have uh, John Reed and Leslie Wynn from Boss Cat Kitchen, and the newly opened BCK Kitchen and Cocktail Adventures coming up in a little bit. Uh, before I get into the news of the week, uh, I did want to just very briefly acknowledge the passing of Liz Fenton, uh, a friend of mine who had been very active in the culinary community, uh, someone who's been close to a number of the people who have been guests on this show. She was a bartender at Samba Grill for a little while, so she worked with Nathan Ketchum, my frequent co-host, she uh, organized fundraisers uh, for all sorts of worthy causes. Uh, For example, when Jody Stevens suffered a house fire, uh, Liz organized a fundraiser for her. Um, She was an integral part of the Houston Barbecue Festival uh, in its beginning stages, helping coordinate volunteers. Uh, But someone who just had an incredible zest for life, uh, a prodigious appetite, an adventurous eater, uh, probably every chef in town's favorite diner. Um, and that was manifest in 2015 when there was a fundraiser at Underbelly that featured uh, family-style courses cooked by uh, Seth Siegel Gardner and Terrence Gallivan from The Pass and Provisions, Hori San from Kata Robata, Justin Yu then from Oxheart, now at Theodore Rex, uh, Chris Shepard, obviously, uh, Ronnie Killen, uh, Adam Doris from Pax, then of Pax Americana, now of... Uh, Presidio, um, Becky Masson, who's been on the show, did a dessert. So just um, an, an unbelievable person, someone that uh, I know a lot of people who listen to the show are going to miss very dearly. And so I didn't want to, I didn't want to go on without at least acknowledging that and just uh, saying that I know a lot of people are thinking about Liz and her friends and her family uh, and that she's someone we're all going to miss very much. Thank you. So having said that, let's get into the news of the week on, on more cheerful notes. It's a, it was a surprisingly busy week for news led by a uh, hashtag culture map exclusive. The news that a real estate developer is bringing a pool bar to an industrial plot in the second ward. It's the El Segundo Swim Club. The developer is Matthew Healy, and he has hired Jen Braverman to handle design. Of course, we had Jen on the show. A while ago, she's been responsible for uh, lots of lots of everybody's favorite dining spaces, public services, uh, Camerata, Axelrad. You can see her work all over Houston. Uh, and so Jen is going to channel uh, a Brazilian landscape artist, Roberto Burley Marx, 
uh, for like a retro 70s vibe at this place. There's going to be cabanas. There's going to be like a 1,350 square foot swimming pool. It's going to have a cocktail program. It's going to have room for food trucks. There are not many bars with pools. Uh, the old Roke comes to mind. Uh, Clay certainly has its Sunday fun day. But there just aren't very many places to party at a pool in public. We don't really have a hotel pool scene here in Houston. We don't have that kind of uh, Vegas party atmosphere. But if El Segundo channels a little bit of some of Jin's other projects, if it has kind of that everybody's welcome vibe of Axelrad, if it has great drinks and a, and a welcoming atmosphere, it's, it's certainly something that I think could be uh, really successful and and you can go on a swamp lot they had some pictures of the the construction the pool is already built so that's a good sign the cabanas still need to be built they obviously they still need a liquor license before they'll be ready to open but look for that in may or june of this year uh moving on less baguette the very popular uh vietnamese restaurant in montrose uh has closed the montrose location to reconcept it uh, Les Baguette is moving to Oak Forest to the uh, 33 and 3rd development at 34th Street and Ella. Uh, that will be very good for them because it will come with a bigger dining room and a whole lot more parking. Uh, that's always been the big knock on Les Baguette is it has like 8 or 10 spots and then you're just kind of at the mercy of finding street parking somewhere in the neighborhood. But the new the new version of the Montrose uh, building will be called Less Noodle. It will focus exclusively on pho, which is good because they were selling as many as 300 bowls of pho a day and trying to do their other menu. It was very difficult for them. Uh, focusing on pho exclusively will allow them to do uh, a beef broth, which they're already doing, but also uh, a chicken and a veggie option. It will allow them to do some additional toppings. Uh, Les Baguette is, is one of those restaurants that is kind of taking uh, familiar Vietnamese food and bringing better technique and better ingredients to it. I'd say it, it stands out from the restaurants in Midtown, at least in its uh, consistency and the quality of the ingredients that they're using. So I think this is a, this is a good thing. I think uh, Montrosians will probably miss having regular access to Less baguettes, full menu, but uh, you know, Houstonians obviously love pho. It's a rainy, dreary week. Uh, that certainly has me craving a bowl of soup. And so the idea of having more options for that, especially when it's as good as less baguettes has been, uh, is certainly intriguing. Uh, one closing to note, Arcadoro, the longtime uh, Italian restaurant, Sardinian restaurant at the corner of Westheimer and Post Oak closed last week. Uh, this will be painful to some people. It had been around for 20 years, which by restaurant standards is essentially forever. Um, Fizio and Lori Ferris owned that restaurant, operated that restaurant, uh, brought a new perspective on Italian food to Houston uh, by focusing on uh, Sardinian food, a uh, seafood oriented, uh, a little bit different than the kind of northern Italian that dominates most fine dining options in Houston. Um, it also served as a very important training ground for a number of people, uh, just off the top of my head. Um, Giancarlo uh, 
Giancarlo Ferrara from, who's now the chef owner at Amalfi in Briargrove. Shannon Scott, the proprietor of Sud Italian Rice Village, both passed through uh, Arcadoro at, at various points in their careers. Um, the word on the street is that the space has already been claimed. I am furiously trying to get the people who are rumored to have claimed it to confirm it. They are stalling me, but I am persistent and will not be dissuaded. But uh, I think people are going to be, if the rumors are true, I think people are going to be uh, very excited about this addition to the Galleria area. And uh, as for uh, Arcadoro, I've, I've heard some chatter that maybe uh, Efizio and Lori are looking for a new spot. I think that would certainly be welcome. I think there's enough Arcadoro fans in Houston that uh, are going to miss it and, and will be very disappointed that it has closed. And, and so hopefully they can find a fresh start in a new location. And then my last news item of the week is that the uh, long-discussed uh, sister restaurant to BCN, MAD, named after Madrid. Don't call it MAD, call it MAD. Just like you call BCN, BCN, and not Bicken. You got to call MAD. You can't call MAD MAD. Um, BCN, the fine dining Spanish restaurant in Montrose. MAD is going to be a, a tapas-style restaurant in River Oaks District. Uh, my suspicions that uh, Sumo Mayo was not going to open there have finally been validated. That project is dead. Uh, MAD has claimed that space. Uh, it's going to be, I think the most interesting thing about it is not that it will be tapas, um, but that it will be open for lunch, dinner, and brunch. Uh, BCN is very much dinner only, very much fine dining. So the idea of being able to get Chef Luis Roger's food um, at all hours of the day, hopefully at a lower price point. And that's the other thing about BCN is it's um, it's been very successful, but it's also very expensive, which definitely plants it in kind of the uh, special occasion territory. I know that can be difficult for some people. I, I mean, I've only eaten there a handful of times since it opened, but certainly their success and how, you know, in a, in a world we always hear that Fine dining is dead. Well, don't don't tell that to the folks at BCN because they've been killing it basically since uh, day one. So the possibility of something new from them, uh, a more casual concept, hopefully at a slightly lower price point. Although you know we all know we all know that the thing about those small plates restaurants is it it adds up real fast, uh, especially if you add a couple of their uh, gin tonics in there. It, it can get it can get spendy, but. Uh, you know, and also it's worth noting this is the first locally owned project that's gone into River Oaks District. You know, Steak Forty Eight, Taverna, Toulouse, uh, La Coloniale, Hop Dotty, even East Hampton Sandwich Company that's been announced for there but hasn't opened there yet, um, all come from other places. This is the first locally owned, locally realized concept that's coming to River Oaks District, and it will be interesting to see how people respond to that. That does it for the news of the week. I'll be right back with my restaurants of the week. Stick around. You're listening to What's Eric Eating? For my restaurants of the week, I want to talk about two places that have opened uh, in the last couple of weeks. The first is Night Heron. This is the new concept from Agricole Hospitalities, the owner of Cultivare, Eight Row Flint, and Revival Market. 
They took the lowbrow space on West Main and Mandel for a new restaurant that really kind of straddles the line between a bar and a restaurant. And you can tell that right away when you walk in because it's not just regular table seating. They have some bar tables. Certainly they have some restaurant tables and and some banquette seating, uh, but they also have some lounge seating with couches and comfortable chairs. Uh, They have a bar, of course, and when they hand you the menu, uh, the drinks are at the front and the food is at the back. So uh, a lengthy list of house cocktails that are their version of classics. So maybe an extra ingredient, maybe a slightly better brand of liquor, maybe, uh, you know, substitute one ingredient for another, but still recognizable as the form of that drink. Uh, a, a long wine list created by Jeb Stewart, who is the uh, sommelier and general manager of Cultivare. Um, and then a, a tidy little food menu uh, developed by Agricole um, owner Ryan Para from Cultivare, their culinary director, Vincent Wynn, and the executive chef, Jacob Pate. Uh, Jacob is someone I've known a long time. I think I met him in 2012 when he and his girlfriend, uh, Sarah Troxel, were working uh, on the truck for the Itzy Boys. They opened the Itzy Boys Cafe. Uh, Jacob bounced around through a number of places, uh, Downhouse, Lilo and Ella. I think there was a stint at Good Dog. Uh, he found a real home at Cultivare, worked there for uh, at least a couple of years, and then uh, most recently he had been at Nobis. So uh, a talented guy, a, a very hardworking guy, and someone who's been uh, angling for an opportunity like Night Heron for a long time. Uh, the menu is eclectic. It has sort of bar snacky, you know, like salted nuts kind of uh, shareable items. I had a chicken liver mousse. I had uh, some French fried potatoes uh, and then some more sort of center of plate items. There's a burger. There is a sirloin salad, uh, seared 44 farm sirloin with uh, soba noodles that uh, I thought was really a great deal. It was only 12 bucks. Uh, hopefully they don't. Hopefully they don't figure out what a great deal that is and, and jack the price up too quickly. Uh, there's a Jamaican jerk chicken that I'm really curious to try. Um, there's a burger that looks fantastic. Uh, it's going to have brunch, which is uh, something Agricole has not done. Uh, Revival obviously serves breakfast uh, every day, but uh, is not really a brunch spot. They tried it at Cultivare for like two or three weeks before they, they walked away from it, but you know, Montrose, uh, especially brunch is such a big deal and to be so close to the Manil as they are, it just, it just makes sense. So, <laughs> and there's a, uh, there's a Monte Cristo sandwich on the brunch menu. That's a, a retro thrill for anybody. Hard to say no to a, a giant fried sandwich. So that'll be interesting, uh, for that reason alone. Open till midnight during the week, open till 2 a.m. on Friday and Saturday. Uh, this is very much uh, the part of Montrose that I live in. Uh, I could, in theory, at least walk to it. Uh, I, you know, whether I whether I do or not depends on uh, the weather and my own personal motivation. But uh, just to have walked in on opening night and seen a lot of familiar faces, everybody's checking it out. It, it certainly feels like a place that I will be at with some regularity. And then the one other uh, new place I want to talk about is Coral Sword. It's the newest cafe from the folks behind Greenway Coffee. Of course, they have Blacksmith. They have Morningstar. They have Prelude Coffee and Tea downtown. Um, Morningstar is a little bit different. 
I think we've talked about it on the show just uh, briefly, but it is really focused on gaming and comics. They have a, a comic book library of graphic novels, and more importantly, they have a game library so that when you go to Coral Sword, uh, you can go with friends, you can check out a game or two, um, play that there. They have a content studio that they're going to use for Twitch streaming. Uh, they have a what they call the Danger Room uh, for tournament play. David Buer, one of the owners, is a, a huge uh, Magic the Gathering fan. So Friday Night Magic tournaments are definitely happening. Uh, they're set up for video game tournaments. So if you've got a bunch of friends that want to throw down on some Street Fighter or some Mario Kart or whatever, uh, they can accommodate you there. And of course, it has uh, it has celebrity provenance. They're, uh, David and, and Eki's uh, business partners are uh, Hunter Pence, the uh, former Houston Astro, now San Francisco Giants outfielder, his wife Alexis, and then Ming Chen, who is a regular on the reality show Comic Book Men, uh, which I have to admit I was not familiar with, but was described as like a nerdier, more fun version of Pawn Stars, which sounds uh, actually like something I should probably be watching. Uh, it was really great actually to uh, to meet and talk to Ming. I think he's he's someone who is just incredibly excited about being involved in a business that really caters to what, as he said, everything that he likes in the world. Uh, the idea that he can sit around and and drink coffee or or when they get their liquor license, have a beer, uh, play games with friends, read comics, hang out uh, is very exciting to him. And judging by the size of the crowds, the couple of times that I have been by, um, it is very exciting to a lot of other people too. And I, I don't just think they're all there uh, to get selfies with Hunter. I think they're actually there to to play games. Um, but the good news is, if you're, it's on Telephone Road in the East End, and for people who live down there, not a ton of coffee options. So this is, I mean, this is your blacksmith. This is your place to go for all the matcha beverages, all the espresso beverages. They have the blacksmith biscuits. They have Morningstar donuts. And to give it its own spin, they also have pizza. Uh, they're par-baked at Morningstar and then brought down to brought down to Coral Sword where they are uh, heated up to order. Uh, look, is this is this Pizarro's? Is this uh, pie pizza? Is it Connie Rosso? No, I mean, obviously not. Uh, but they are pretty good. Uh, and they are, you know, uh, comfortably ahead of any uh, delivery option that might be in that area. And so, you know, if you, uh, I, I seem to know more and more people that are moving to that part of Houston. Uh, the food options are only getting better and better. Uh, Nancy's Hustle is open in that area. Leland House is open to that area. Uh, and now Coral Sword. And I just think it's going to be a, a very nice addition to the neighborhood. So that does it for our restaurants of the week. I will be right back with John Reed and Leslie Wynn. You're listening to What's Eric Eating? I am joined now by John Reed and Leslie Wynn, the owners of two of the owners of Boss Cat Kitchen and the newly opened BCK Kitchen and Cocktail Adventures. John, I'm going to start with you. Welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having us, man. We're excited. Leslie, hi. How are you? Hi. <laughs> how are you? I am great. It is very, uh, I'm very excited to have you all here. We're excited to be here. It's my first podcast ever. Oh, well, <laughs> I'll be somewhat gentle. Be kind. Be kind. Yeah. That, that's, that's, this is a safe space. 
you know, there's there's no one listening. We're just we're just here in the little the booth of trust. I, I half <laughs> I half believe that. <laughs> um, I know Boscat's been open for almost a year, but I just wanted to kind of start at the beginning. You had a, a very successful Boscat kitchen in California. What made you decide that Houston was where you wanted to come for a second location? Let me feel that less. That's all you. Uh, I'll take that one. Uh, we knew we had to move on from California. Uh, great state. Love it. It's part of our home and our lineage. But uh, to be successful, we wanted to get into a bigger market. And candidly, we came to, uh, we came to Dallas and Houston, Austin, San Antonio. And Houston offered the most for us. Huge city, big opportunity. In, Cal- in California, we're, we're in a feeder market to L.A., so we're not really in the big leagues, and we want to see if we could compete in the big leagues. Uh, the food scene in Houston, a lot of research we had done, um, was right up there with all the major cities, San Francisco, Seattle. So we thought it was a good place for us. Obviously, Texas is very business-friendly. Um, that, uh, that made it an easy choice as well. And then the people here, that diversity, uh, the chefs, the culture – was nothing like we've seen in California. Everybody wants to help. Everybody wants to pitch in. It just made the most sense, honestly. You know, and I, I think one of the things you guys did was you really took your time getting to know the city. You had at least enough lead time for while the restaurant was being built that you went out and you met with people. I mean, we were, before we started taping, we were talking about the first time we met, you guys found me uh, on the internet and were like, uh, hey, can we just talk to you? And so we went to Blacksmith and hung out for like a couple hours and had coffee. Uh, I know Chris Shepard came and hung out with us for a little bit of that. Um, what was that process like, Leslie, of getting to know the city? That was a lot of fun for me because I love exploring new areas, new people. Um, and yeah, I, 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 I looked up um, some food articles and I found you and that's I wrote out to you and said, you know, what, what do... You know, I wanted to just meet with you and just talk with you, just to get to know you I as a person. And why? <laughs> because the, the the first thing out of Eric smiled when we first sat down. Uh, why do you want to meet with me? <laughs> <laughs> who, are, who are you? What do you want with you me? Want? <laughs> I just really wanted to get to know you and who you are and what what do I need to know? What tips you know you had for us and for me? And um, you know, this is a whole area new area that i've never even been to before so that was fun for me i made multiple trips alone and just wandered and got lost and just met people around here and the people were awesome the first guy i met um one sunday he took me around to a bunch of different restaurants and bars introduced me to other owners um you know that is for a stranger to do take me around and give me a full tour that was amazing well i I mean, I do think Houstonians are a friendly lot. And I think that showing a little bit of enthusiasm will typically be met very warmly. We're not, we're not New Yorkers, right? We don't have that skepticism. Uh, you know, we're, we're usually just excited to show off the city. Yeah, exactly. And that, that has made it moving here so much easier and so much more. Um, the, whole, the whole experience just made everything so much easier for us. I think that's why the transition was was a little bit uh, more seamless, Eric, than we thought, because by nature, that's the type of people that Leslie and I are. Um, but when we first came to the city, we wanted to ingratiate ourselves with the local community. We knew that coming here, we weren't doing something new. We were just adding to what they're already doing. And that was reaffirmed in my first conversation with uh, our good buddy, Chris uh, Shepard, when he kind of walked over to me at the table and kind of asked me what I'm doing in his city. 
And I'm like, how the hell does he know who we are? And come to find out that Leslie had reached out to him via social media and he had done a little bit of homework. But, you know, meeting with you was just another layer of what do we need to know? We don't want to come here and screw this up candidly. We don't want to go back to California with our tails between our legs. And people like you, Chris, several other chefs in this city welcomed us in. They gave us the, the game plan. Don't do this. Do this. Do not say these things. And if you're going to come here, come here sincerely. And we tried to listen to that. Yeah. Do not talk about how we're starved for good food. Do not do not talk about how you're bringing something that doesn't exist in the market. Oh, uh, no. Houston has amazing food. That's what I when I go back to California, I always dream about coming back and eating. So what were some of the things you were told to do? Because it seems to me like the first year has gone pretty well. Uh, participate. That was the biggest thing. I think you told us that, too. Um, get involved. As many food-related um, opportunities, pop-ups, et cetera, and just try to find our place. Uh, you, you said it best. A couple other friends reaffirmed it. Don't come here with the attitude that we're bringing something new, and that's not what we do anyways. Uh, we want to see where we could fit in, and you gave us very good advice, man. You're just like, get 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 active in the market. We got in front of uh, our current PR team, uh, Nick, and he got us in front of every opportunity. We said yes to every single opportunity just to get involved in the community. I think that was a, a good piece of advice. Yeah, I love those events. Anyways, we would do those regardless with that advice or not. But I, I love, you know me, I love food. So I love doing those food events and going around and meeting all the other vendors and all the other restaurateurs and um, eating their creations. So so how has the first year gone? Have you Have you exceeded your expectations? Are you kind of where you thought you'd be? Can I swear on here? You can. Okay. <laughs> Holy shit. All right. Not what we expected at all. Uh, we survived uh, a hurricane, uh, which taught us a lot. I tell you right now, I uh, love California. I don't think they would recover the way that Houston does and we, Houston has. I think that was the biggest learning lesson we could have ever learned. I would have not, not liked to have learned it in our first year. Um, however, I, it showed me exactly why we moved here. This city is so freaking resilient. And our employees, everybody stayed put. Everybody was bought in. Uh, for me, that was the biggest learning lesson. Not coming to a new city, not coming to a bigger market. It was surviving um, stuff that we, we had honestly no plans for and no way to prepare for. That was the biggest thing I learned. What about you? Hmm? <laughs> you covered no. it right there. Well, no, Leslie, but, but was there, um, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of places to get that have a good whiskey selection in Houston. That's, that's a centerpiece of the Bosquet concept. What have you done to kind of put your own spin on that? Um, I think, well, my baby, I think we created a, a special room um, that's unique. There are a lot of places that have more whiskey than we do or more, um, a lot of other whiskey uh, bars. But I think what we bring to the table that's unique is is just our whole guest experience yeah i mean at the end of the day you know um the guys at reserve the guys over at anvil you know they are setting the market here in houston we knew that coming into it and we're not trying to compete with them we're just trying to find our own space and i think what we what we've coined is you know we're, we're not a craft bar we're just trying to be crafty um and really blend you know good american food uh with whiskey i think the difference for us or where we found our space is in that river oaks area it's just being the casual environment in that space. You know, we're, we're a place you can go and have a casual cocktail, or you can also have a high-end whiskey, scotch, 
Um, the room has definitely, the whiskey room has definitely differentiated us from our local competitors in that space. It gets used almost every single night. But as far as offering, you know, we have a great offering. There's so many bars in this town that have such great whiskey selections. I think the biggest thing for us is just trying to try and put as much personality behind our offering as we can. Yeah, and I, I think obviously Leslie plays a big role in that with the, the homemade decor and the social media and, and that whole, there's just an enthusiasm about what you're doing that I think has really helped. Thank you. I mean, do you think of yourself as more of a bar or more of a restaurant? Man. <laughs> you can answer that one, Leslie. Uh, okay. I never intended to be a restaurant ever in my, my life. Bad. My bad. <laughs> Um, we've always been bar people. I have always worked in bars and I have worked in restaurants as well, but my favorites have always been bars. I've always just wanted to be a bar. We never intended our food to take the life that it did. And I'm so grateful that it did, but I never intended to be a restaurant. (laughs) Yes. Go ahead and blame me. (laughs) But now we are a restaurant. Um, I consider ourselves a whiskey bar that serves American comfort food, but... It, you know we... what, Eric? It's changed, man. I mean, the whole idea. Leslie and I started this eight and a half years ago in a small sports bar, and it just developed um, into what it is right now. And our food is good; it's sustainable. Um, our whiskey selection, but I think what what we've come to agree on, right? You can't see us. She's probably screaming at me right now. Um, is that we're going to have a bar, bar culture? What that means is everyone is treated like a local. Everyone, we know your name, your favorite cocktail in a restaurant setting. I've never seen that done. I've never seen that done over several restaurants. So that's the bar personality we're trying to infuse. That's my spin on it <laughs> to make her happy. Well, and, and I think finding the right mix of food has been. I mean, certainly when you opened, it just seemed, it all seemed, uh, a friend of mine went there and was just like, he went there with his wife and she was like, uh, it's, it's dude food. It's, it's, it's porky. It's bacony. It's fried. Uh, you've lightened things up a little bit. Um, has that been, has that been well received? Kind yes. of diversifying a little bit? Well, I'll tell you, California and Houston, uh, as we knew, were very different markets. But what we didn't know was how different people ate. And uh, California, you know, we're four years into it, and we're still pumping uh, like crazy. We're very lucky. That restaurant has not, has not stopped. So our offering there hasn't had to grow that much. But, in, but here in Texas, um, in Houston specifically, uh, people were demanding. They're demanding more seafood. They're demanding more lighter options. You know, so we infused the lunch menu, which you've had. Um, and not just because you're sitting in front of us, but you've been a big part of that growth because you've been very candid. Uh, stuff you like, stuff you didn't like. Uh, we need to hear that. And where we're going next is we're adding about nine to ten new items for Houston specifically, uh, two to three seafood-based. We're going to add a steak. Uh, we're going to add uh, a pasta and just try to diversify our menu. I more vegetarian options. Yes, we we got to play in that market better because for four and a half years, we've been dude food for sure. Yeah. Uh, your brunch is really fun too. And, and Oh, that's my favorite day. That was all Leslie. <laughs> All right. So, what's the what's the inspiration behind the brunch? So, back in our heyday, I love brunch. Brunch is like always been my favorite day. Day drinking, Sunday fun day. I'm all about that. But in Orange County, there was nowhere ever really fun like that to go to, like for a brunch. Because if you're going to 
to eat for food. It's usually a piano playing or some sort of just very light music, just not fun and loud. And we used to be fun and loud. <laughs> So we always be the people in that nice, fancy, quiet restaurant that are loud, that are sat in the corner because we're too loud. So I told JT, when we open a place, I want a fun brunch. I want it loud. I want it to be a big party. Um, so then that's what we did. And when we first did brunch, I remember distinctly Chef was like, we're not doing brunch. You're never going to be able to do brunch on this side of town. Nope. This whole side closes we're in a very industrial area where it's all work offices. So um, everyone's like, you're never going to be able to do brunch there. I said, well, let's just try. And so we tried. And I think for the first month or two, we Rough. had no sales. I thought the kitchen was going to kill me. And I was like, just please hold. <laughs> just, just give it a little bit more. And then chef somehow changed the menu. And all of a sudden, boom, it was just crazy and we haven't stopped partying since well and one of the things is, is you know, some of the brunch dishes are so over the top and so silly i mean fruity pebbles french toast if you're if that's not on your instagram it's like are you do you even have an instagram if that's not on there i mean like is there any point uh but yeah i think the way you position it and the honestly just bringing a little bit of a sense of humor to kind of some of what you do i think really sets you apart we don't take ourselves very seriously i think that's part of the fun of what we do i mean if you knew leslie and i uh six years ago eric uh <laughs> we were we were uh, party animals uh but now we're both sober and we're doing our own things separately but we've tried to infuse that same party and chef i think he's a uh, well i don't think he is he's a big kid all right he his inspiration is always uh based on you know kid-friendly items and he just infused something. And it was literally overnight. I'm talking like literally one week uh, we had 46 people. The next week we had 246 people. And now we have 100 people in line every single Sunday for the last three and a half years. It has not stopped. And you've had those dishes. Most of them are goofy and fun. I mean, there's not a lot of serious seriousness to what we do on Sundays. But for some reason, it definitely has attracted people and has sustained itself. And then... You uh, you just opened another new restaurant here, here in the Heights, BCK. Uh, you're about a week in. How's it going? You can start with that one. <laughs> I think it's been going great. We um, we are kind of is it still soft opening? Yeah, still soft opening. Still kind of our soft opening. Is that right next. And <laughs> okay. um, our real opening. We haven't really like, decided a date yet, but. Um, I think it's been going great. I think this menu is not like our brunch menu, but it's it's light, it's fun, it's um, you know bringing back old classics that we kind of remembered um, back when we were growing up, and it's kind of just we're calling it nostalgic American fare. Um, I don't know if that's a, a category yet, but well, I mean, it is this kind of very fun throwback. Uh, a dish inspired by SpaghettiOs, uh, Salisbury steak, fried pork chops. How did you decide that this is what you wanted to do, this uh, this kind of retro 70s and 80s kind of cuisine? Honestly, it's been a work in progress. Uh, as you know, Leslie is an idea factory. Uh, most times I want to choke her and ask her to stop for a second so we can catch up. Um, but she has so many great ideas. And we had an idea about three years ago back in California 
to do a concept in our old sports bar space. And we just didn't know where to put it. So we shelved it. And when we came to Houston and we found the Heights, we were like, oh, my God, this could be like the perfect place for it. And it just took a it took on a life of its own, the menu, et cetera. The whole idea was owner-inspired dishes from our childhood. That was the, the base of the concept, and it just kind of grew from there. And we infused a lot of personality from um, some of our newest uh, partners and owners, uh, Ty, Peter, and Matt, uh, from the red shoes that we wear um, around the restaurant to some of the dishes from their childhood. And it kind of just took a life of its own. And then we the, Leslie just put all of her touches on it, and it just brought it all together. And the Matt did a great job with his bar team and the cocktails. I think they're a lot of fun. Um, they're a lot of Instagram-worthy uh, cocktails, too. <laughs> yeah, that, uh, well, uh, the doctor, I had the Dr. Pepper cocktail. The Dr. Feel Good. Yeah, when I ate there last night. And then you've got the, there's uh, one with cereal in it, right? Yeah, I can never say it. It's berry, pu- berry, Crunch milk punch. <laughs> Very crunch milk punch. <laughs> Say that three times. <laughs> Very crunch milk punch. <laughs> so that'll be on. So I mean, it's on the menu every day. But it, uh, certainly, when you guys roll out brunch, uh, you're you're going to be selling a lot of those. I think. Oh yeah, we're going to have brunch there. I don't know when. We're looking at uh, March. March will open up Saturdays and Sundays. A little bit more traditional than what we do at Boss Cat um, because it is very family centric. We want to make sure that we. We uh, cater to everyone over there, but obviously, you know us, we're silly, so we're going to have a couple silly items on there to have a little bit of fun with. Yeah, so what was it about the Heights that made it seem like the right fit for this? I think for me, I don't know. From last, I'm from a very small town, very small town, um, and when I drove through the Heights the first or second time, uh, I drove down a few of the streets, and it, I mean, I felt like I was back at home. It was crazy. It's the first time outside of upstate New York, when I say upstate New York, almost Canada, um, that I felt like I was at home. I mean, there was it was curbs, there was a little bit of lawn. The houses were kind of tight. Everybody knew each other's name. You don't leave your you know your front door. You leave your front door unlocked. And I just fell in love with the community. And then um, our bar director and newest partner Matt, he moved into the community, and he just would not stop bragging about how great it was. And it was just an opportunity for us to to do this concept. Um, that we wanted to grow into. We, we couldn't find a place. The Heights just seemed like a great place. And it was, for me personally, it was very nostalgic to my childhood. Very. It's the cutest little area. I went around and uh, gave out cookies to all the neighboring businesses and to the fire station. And it's like the cutest little town. I've never, uh, this is like stuff you see in the movies. <laughs> um, you know, the one thing I will say is it feels a little bit more like a restaurant to me. I mean, I know it has that big bar uh, right by the entrance, but just in its in its seating and and in its menu, it just you know, and especially in the Heights. I mean, there are there are certainly successful bars uh, in the Heights, but you know, you have to. I think you also to be successful, it really helps to have that that family friendly component. And and what's more family friendly than SpaghettiOs? Yeah. The, well, this one is more catered to the the um, young families and residents uh, around there. I want to have a lot of fun with a lot of the kids. I want to make a really cute lunch box. Like I, I want to make a BCK lunch box where the kids' meals actually come in the lunch pail, and then they can take it with them, and they can bring it, you know, and then we'll fill it up with some cookies or, or something for the, the little kids. Oh, that's really cute. <laughs> um, I, I mean, you must be getting a ton of, 
ideas from people about retro dishes that they want to do. Like, like I know, like I want Chef Boyardee ravioli for sure. Uh, chicken tenders is the is the one obvious one. We were, you know, I had dinner with uh, your publicist Nick and Chelsea last night. Uh, chicken tenders was the one thing that just seems like it's a no brainer. Did you put it? Did you write it on our board? I did not write it on the board. I, I'm addressing you in person. <laughs> <laughs> so we do have a locals board where people can actually write what their favorite childhood dishes are, and then chef will each month will pick one from all of those suggestions and recreate it as a BCK's own. Have you seen one already uh, in the first week that you're like, I, I hope he does that? Yeah, there's been several. i got to be honest with you. I couldn't believe the number of people that put sloppy Joe. I'm like, how the hell did we miss that? <laughs> That's like such an obvious one. And then one girl got up there, and I was on the expo line uh, getting in the way. I call it running food. but uh, And she put Pop-Tarts. I was like, holy shit. That's such a great brunch item. Mm-hmm. This is a big Pop-Tart. But Chef Boyardee ravioli is definitely on our radar. I actually wanted to recreate the can and right. somehow and make, serve it in the actual can. But it's we weren't sure people would be like, oh, they're just serving food out of a can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, homemade. Right. Right. I should. I keep saying uh, SpaghettiOs. You call them PASCHETTIOs. You're not you're not ripping anybody off. But it's <laughs> it's small circle pasta in a very mild tomato sauce. It's and with uh, with hot dog in it. It's 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 very silly. It's very fun. I think the misperception is that we're trying to do something crazy with these items. I mean, we literally were testing SpaghettiOs and raviolis and Salisbury steak and trying to recreate that taste. I mean, when I, when I have our PASCHETTIOs, I'm literally going back to my childhood. That was the intention. The intention was not to make these things over-chef them, I call it. We're not trying to over-chef it. We're trying to recreate it with a little bit better products and have a little bit of fun with it. And I think that's, you know, that's what we've been trying to do. But some people um, are still trying to get used to that idea, I think. I think they're waiting for us to do something crazy with these items. Uh, we're just trying to use better products. Um, one of the other things that I'm sort of curious about you guys is you obviously you still have the businesses in California. Uh, Leslie, anyone who follows you on Instagram at Miss Boscat knows that you're back and forth all the time. What's it like balancing your, your time between two states? Oh, that's a good question. That's actually the, probably the number one question everyone always asks me. Um, it's not easy. I'm I'm still trying to f- struggle with that that balance and going back and forth and uh, trying to focus on because of my ADD focus on like what restaurant I'm trying to focus on um, plus the donuts and it's just uh, it's definitely a balancing act and um, I'm learning more and more how to use my calendar more <laughs> um, more efficiently and it's just all planning. We really just have to plan more and schedule things properly. Make sure that when I do schedule uh, an event or something like this, that I'm, I I am in town. Um, but yeah, it's just pre planning, which I'm not great at because <laughs> <laughs> I'm the planner. <laughs> John, you're mostly here though. Yeah, I, I am. Uh, I spend about sixty percent of my time right now in Houston, um, and then I'll move to a little bit closer to fifty fifty. Probably starting in March, just to make sure that the you know the two that we started with back home, Boscat Kitchen and Ten Asian Bistro, that they stay healthy. At the end of the day, if you're going to grow, you need, you need to make sure you can sustain the growth. We didn't grow here to let those go, and both those record both those uh, businesses are on record growth right now. So we're very lucky. Leslie and our other partner Vinny 
uh, do a great job keeping those moving so I don't have to spend a lot of time. And my role in this company is really to do the development and set up the operation. You know, I get everything going and Leslie comes in and, and she puts all her final touches on things. And that, that's worked for us. So it's been very, I've been very fortunate that I can stay a little bit longer here in Houston to make sure that our footprint, you know, stays intact. But starting in March, we'll go back to 50 50. Um, and being six foot 11 traveling sucks. Uh, <laughs> sucks. There's always that five foot four guy who wants to take my seat. I'm like, hey, asshole. Really? <laughs> Every it's only, time. It's only a two and a half, three hour flight. So it's, if you think about it, it's the same commute as if you're driving to um, Austin or whatever. Yeah. Exactly. Poor Erin. She's our brand manager, and she's uh, always with Leslie and I. I feel so bad for her. She's actually standing here in the room laughing right now <laughs> because she has to deal with uh, the both of us and Vinny, uh, who you'll meet sometime. Um, but she has to deal with the creative side of Leslie, which keeps her up at 4 in the morning, and then me at 6.45 in the morning. But she didn't figure out until like the fifth trip, you don't have to sit next to me on the plane because you're freaking miserable. I'm like, sit somewhere else. Make someone else be miserable. My God. She was like always next to me. I'm like, you don't have to sit here. Well, I thought we were going to talk about stuff. I'm like, no, I don't want to talk. I just want to sleep. Right. No, the key is to get enough frequent flyer miles that you get bumped up in status, right? And then you start getting upgraded. Oh, I tell you right now, I, I, I'm A6 and A7. You think I would, that's right. I'm bragging, Aaron. Okay. But man, there's always that one guy. I, Eric, I fit in two seats. Okay. I'm seven foot tall. I fit in two seats. And there's always the guy, A5 or A4, who beats me to the seat. And it's almost like he's laughing at me. I want to kick his ass. I'm like, seriously, it's the same guy every flight. Oh my God. So I have, uh, I have just a couple other things I want to hit. Are you, are you hearing from other restaurateurs now who want to come into this market? Are they, are they coming to you for advice? I will say, for me, it hasn't been people in our direct market Eric, or our direct vertical, but there's been a lot of people in similar industries um, that have come, have reached out to me here locally. Um, and I know Leslie has spoken to a bunch of female entrepreneurs. I think that was yesterday, right? Monday morning? Yeah, that was yesterday. But I actually do get message a lot on LinkedIn. And then from our other restaurateur friends in Orange County, you know, they've come out here, they've asked, like, how, you know, do you think my concept would work well there, you know? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're good friends with the guys who purchased the rights to Halal Guys in Texas. And they're friends of ours from California. And it's it's unbelievable. I mean, we talk frequently with a bunch of people that are very successful in California. And we encourage them to come here because the opportunity is just so big. We don't see an end to it. I mean, we, our intention, if all goes well, is to build three or four more BCKs or Boss Cats. That's the goal. I mean, I'm every week I'm somewhere in this city looking at opportunities. I feel very lucky that they're looking at us too, but there's just so many opportunities. I don't foresee us growing outside of Houston for a long time because there's, there's so many markets to serve. It's crazy. Yeah. There's a, a recent, a baker actually, she wants to go into Austin and she was asking me, I don't know the Austin market. I only know Houston. And, um, but I thought it was flattering that she was asking cause I love her bakery. <laughs> I didn't even know she knew who I was. So um, that was nice to get that message from her. And then, John, you did mention uh, you guys are sober now. Is it hard to be a bar owner when you, you don't drink anymore? You know, uh, I'll answer for me, me first. Um, I was the first one to go sober because I was the biggest train wreck, if I'm being honest with you. Um, let's put it this way. Um, we had a lot more friends when we were drinking at our sports bar, and we have a lot less friends now, but the friends we have are, are a lot better. 
um, and our portfolio has grown uh, from one small sports bar to, to four four big properties. So I, I think that getting sober gives you a different uh, perspective on the bar industry. But for me, I need the itch. And the itch is when we walk in our restaurant on a Friday night and the music's going and people are sipping on whiskey and telling us how great our staff is. Um, that's probably the best high you could ever get. And that has 100% replaced uh, my need for alcohol. But I don't recommend it, uh, if I'm being honest with you. <laughs> it's not a lot of fun all the time. Uh, it's definitely not. We get to walk in our restaurants. But it, uh, it hasn't been as hard as I thought, honestly. I tell people the same thing. I say I don't wish sobriety upon anyone. But for me, it helps me, actually. Um, I think if I worked not I, – I think if I didn't work in the bar, I would – most likely have continued to drink just because I'm still around it. I'm still in that environment. I still get that whole social aspect of it. And then I still get to be around it. I just appreciate it now for different reasons. I love whiskey for the history, um, the design of the bottles, uh, the story. I love still learning about it. I just don't partake anymore. But it definitely... Being a bar owner, I know it sounds very ironic, like, oh, how can you be around alcohol? But it's definitely helped me be sober to be around it the more I'm around it the more I recognize it and I realize okay don't drink but I love still being around it so it it helps me you know one thing I'll add is it has changed it has changed my goal in life because I think the service industry for the most part has a, a rough name I think it's it's one of those jobs you do passing through to your career and what we've identified is that if this can be a career for people. We've taken several people that were going somewhere else and they've stayed and they have a big role in our company. I mean, Erin, who's sitting right here, I don't want to embarrass her, but you know, she was one of our servers and she went on to a billion dollar company um, in a great role, but she saw what we were up to and she came back. She came back. She sacrificed to come back and now she works six and a half days a week and probably hates it half the time. But um We've made people believers in what we're up to, and I think that for for me, it's changed. I, w- I want to change the perception about the the hospitality industry and the service industry. I want to show people that it is a great career if you do it right, and that's been our focus. Well, guys, that brings me to the end of my questions, uh, but I can't let you leave without uh, the final segment that I like to call the lightning round. Uh, five easy questions, five short answers. Five easy questions, huh? Okay. Yeah, just say the first thing that comes to mind. <laughs> I'm going to walk away from the uh leslie what is your favorite ingredient oh god (laughs) shit (laughs) that is that is a tough question your favorite ingredient jameson (laughs) that's a good answer (laughs) (laughs) oh Okay, sugar. Because <laughs> it's sweet. Uh, JT, what's the first restaurant you ever worked at? I don't want to admit it. <laughs> oh, we've had some good ones. There's no shame in this room. Uh, well, golf course, but the first chain I worked at was Applebee's. Uh, Applebee's, yes. That's good times. How come he gets the easy one? <laughs> no, no, Leslie, same question. Burger King. Excellent. Um Leslie, what's your fast food guilty pleasure? It has to come from a drive-thru. <laughs> That's how I define fast food. If you don't have a drive-thru. Okay, and I'm not, I'm trying not to not eat meat right now, but 
um, I have a weakness for Popeye. <laughs> a weakness? You're an addict. <laughs> and Popeye's so- spicy, and I'll get it and um, with mashed potatoes with extra gravy, and then I'll eat it, and I have to eat it in my bed. Eric, she'll drive a freaking hour for it. I'm not even kidding you. Well, she doesn't Don't have to like- do that. There's one on Richmond, like not far from Boscat. <laughs> And then the biscuits, and then I look at the box after with my guilt and shame. <laughs> uh, JT, what about you? Anybody who knows me knows me. I'm a freaking donut freak. Um, uh, just on Sunday, Sunday's my cheat day. All right, I killed an entire pizza, four donuts, two ice cream sandwiches. Um, <laughs> I, I could eat donuts every day of my life. Um, I just I'm afraid. I'm afraid of the sugar rush from it. But uh, I went to a, a series of movies a couple weeks ago. We had a night off, um, and I took my girlfriend. Poor. Poor her, by the way. Um, and it was four donuts, and it was four more. Uh, that was before we went to the movie, so it's definitely <laughs> oh donuts. Uh, and JT, who is your favorite Houston sports figure, past or present? Uh, you know what? I've uh, become uh, social uh, with uh, Robert Ory. He's been a big believer in what we do at Boss Cat, and he's been a big supporter of mine, so I'd definitely say Robert Ory. That's definitely our first uh, big shot, Bob. You uh, just took mine because I just talked with him the other day. Well, he likes so you nice. more than he likes me. <laughs> Leslie, you can you can both have the same favorite. <laughs> well, how about Sean Salzberg? Because he's right down the street. Yeah, our our beloved my beloved Gal Media colleague. Sean yeah, Salzberg. he's awesome. He is the shit. I love Sean. Uh, and then finally, uh, where's your favorite place to get a taco? <sighs> I mean, I got to be honest with you. The ground beef taco from from El Tiempo is a heart attack on a plate, but it is freaking delicious. And that American shaved cheese, oh, it's so good. So good. I don't know that. Where does Chef go all the time? It's this little taco stand off. I don't know, but I had a quesadilla the other day from Eulogio's ex-girlfriend's work. Was it? What's that place? It's open 24 hours. Oh, Chacha's? Yes. They make this that's, quesadilla. That's, it's scary, but it's delicious. They make this quesadilla. I don't know. The bread is like this sweet, like fluffy fluffness, and it's so good. And they, <laughs> they stuff it with a lot of stuff in it, so it just tastes delicious. All right, y'all. Well, thank you. Give us the, give us the, the website and the, the social and, and all that stuff. Where, where can people find out more about what's going on at Boscat Kitchen? Boss Cat Kitchen is at Boss Cat Kitchen, and then BCK is at Eat at BCK. And of course, we can follow you, Miss Boss Cat, <laughs> on Instagram. Always a very entertaining. Oh, thank you, Instagram M I S S. Yes, Ms. M I S S Boss Cat. And if you really want to get sweet with it, Miss Mini Donuts too. Yeah, your your <laughs> like side get project. It in. <laughs> That's not coming to Houston, is it? Um, you know what? That's the second. Uh, asked question <laughs> everyone asked me um i don't know yet it's coming to, to houston it's coming to houston we gotta bring it here all right gotta bring it here last thing before nick and chelsea kill me february 21st grand opening we're gonna be open ready to rock no, uh, full menu <laughs> full menu so here we go it's here official go. now it's on record so it's official uh you heard it here first uh you can follow me on twitter at e sandler on Instagram at Eric Sandler. Keep it locked on culturemap.com for all the latest Houston bar and restaurant news. Uh, This is your periodic reminder that you can subscribe to this podcast on both iTunes and Google Play. Uh, Your comments and ratings are always welcome. Uh, But like Katie Nolan says, only if it's five stars, 
and only if it's nice. Thanks so much for listening. I'll be back in time.